Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And today we're continuing on our series on biblical prosperity. Last week we gave three proofs from the Bible that the blessing of financial prosperity is in the atonement of Christ. That might be a surprising statement to you because you might think, well, it's just forgiveness, isn't it? No, every blessing is purchased through the blood of Christ. Uh, it's released to us in his resurrection. And financial prosperity is no exception. You see, his divine power has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness, and that includes finances. It says that we've, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ, in his death and resurrection. God, who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all on the cross, will he not also with him freely give us all things? Yes, all these things are part of what God gave us through Christ. All the promises of God in him, in Christ, in his death and resurrection, are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. You see, everything, all these things needful for life are in the atonement and they are in, certainly including financial blessing. Well, knowing this, that it's bought and paid for in the atonement of Christ, that is what gives our faith for prosperity a firm foundation, enabling us to be strong in faith and to walk in our covenant rights as children of God. If it's in the atonement, then it's for all. It's available for all of God's children. We can come to God in confidence and receive the blessing of Jehovah Jireh. Uh, the Lord is our provider. And last week we saw three proofs of this. And I'm going to add four more, God willing, in, in our time now. Next, let's go now to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. These great exchange verses that describe what Jesus accomplished on the cross. He took our curse and in return he gave us his blessing. Now poverty is part of the curse. So Jesus took our poverty and in return gave us the blessing of prosperity. Let's read that. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is he, is everyone who hangs on a tree. That so, that the blessing of Abraham might come on us, on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now this tells us plainly that Jesus, on the cross, redeemed us from the curse and released us into the blessing. Now if we can show that the curse includes poverty and the blessing includes prosperity, then this proves that on the cross Jesus redeemed us from poverty and released us into prosperity. Now, we can see from, even from Genesis chapters 1 and 2 that God provided all things good. He provided prosperity for Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They had the blessing of God, which included full material provision for all their needs. But then in Genesis 3, when man fell, when they sinned, then the curse of sin came in, the, the consequence of sin came in, and that affected not just their spirit but it affected the material realm it brought poverty poverty was part of the curse we read God told Adam cursed is the ground for your sake in toil you'll eat of it all the days of your life both thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you and you'll eat the herb of the field and in the sweat of your face you'll eat bread so it's clear that the curse includes poverty 
And that's why when the curse is removed from the earth at Christ's return, the, the, there'll be no more poverty and lack. And so also in heaven, there is no poverty because there is no curse. Only blessing, only prosperity. And we are to pray, Lord, your will be done on earth in my life as it is in heaven. Well, it's not poverty in heaven, it's prosperity. So, you see, when Galatians 3 says that we've been redeemed from the curse, the consequences of sin, as well as sin itself, we've been redeemed by the cross and we've been released into the blessing, this must include the fact that we've been redeemed from poverty and released into prosperity through the atonement. And a further confirmation of this, Galatians says we are redeemed from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. Now, we know Abraham's blessing includes prosperity. But what about the curse of the law? What, what is that? Well, that is described in great detail in Deuteronomy 28. And poverty and debt are a big part of this. It, the curse, in other words, affects the material realm. And uh, in the form of poverty. Of course poverty is a curse, it's not a blessing. Well, let's read some of these verses. It shall come to pass, if you don't obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come on you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, cursed in the country, cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl, cursed the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in, cursed shall you be when you go out. You will not prosper in your ways. You shall only be oppressed and plundered continually and no one will save you. You'll build a house but not dwell in it. You'll plant a vineyard but not gather its grapes. A nation that you've not known shall eat the fruit of your land and your produce and you'll only be oppressed and crushed continually. You will carry much seed out to the field but gather little in. The locusts shall consume it. You'll plant vineyards and tend them but neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes but the worms shall eat them. You'll have olive trees but you'll not anoint yourself with oil because the olives will drop off. You will beget sons and daughters, but they'll not be yours for they'll go into captivity. Locusts shall consume all your trees and the produce of your land. The alien among you shall rise higher and higher above you and you'll go down lower and lower. He shall lend to you, but you'll not lend to him. He shall be the head and you'll be the tail. Sorry to read all of that curse to you, <laughs> but the curse is poverty. That is the curse of the law, but Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of poverty. Why, how? By becoming a curse for us. He became totally poor and destitute on the cross. Christ has redeemed us on the cross from the curse of the law. Praise God, by being made a curse, by being made poor for us. Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. He lost his clothes, his honor, he was cut off for us because he wanted you to be blessed you see this cursed is he who hangs on a tree as part of a law that God gave Israel in Deuteronomy 21 that is a type of Christ's death and burial which removed the curse from the land let's read that if a man has committed a sin deserving of death it says he's put to death and you will hang him on a tree and his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall bury him that same day, so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. For he who hanged is accursed of God. That's the foundation for the Genesis verse. This is a picture. This teaches us that sin 
brings curse on the land and it must be removed. And for it to be removed, the guilty one or a substitute who would willingly take his place must be lifted up and hung on a tree. In this way, he takes the curse on himself. Then he must be buried before sundown. And in this way, he removes the curse from the earth. And that's why Jesus had to be lifted up on a wooden cross and be buried before sundown. For he became a curse for us. And he was buried. And in that way, he removed the curse from us so that the blessing could come upon us. And the curse includes poverty. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Then Deuteronomy 28 also confirms that the blessing includes prosperity. It says, all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord. These blessings now, Galatians said, has come upon us now in Christ. These blessings are yours now that I'm reading to you. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall you be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They will come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses, in your bank accounts, and in all that you to which you set your hand and he will bless you in the land which with which the Lord is giving you and the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body in the increase of your livestock in the produce of your ground in the land of which the Lord swore to give you the Lord will open to you his good treasure the heavens to give rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand you will lend to many nations but not borrow the Lord will make you the head and not the tail you shall be above only and not beneath and Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us who believe and the covenant blessing of Abraham certainly included prosperity and the blessing of Abraham came upon his seed and in the new covenant we are Abraham's seed and this, the blessing of Abraham, is ours. Hallelujah. Prosperity is ours through the covenant, through the atonement. As Galatians says, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So what is the blessing of Abraham? It's prosperity. And the curse of the law is poverty. And this blessing of Abraham means having a good job, having success, having wisdom, being free from bondage and debt. That's God's will. This is ours in Christ. He wants to prosper his people. And that's why he made provision through the cross. The blessing flows from the work of the cross. That's where Jesus took the curse for us. He was cursed so that you could be blessed. Receive that blessing. You know, we should receive that part of the blessing of God. That includes material blessings. And then we should use that material blessing, to serve God with it, to support the church, to support the spreading of the gospel. You know, if your priorities are right, God can pour his blessings to you and through you to others. Here's a poem. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law as he hung on that shameful tree. And all that is worse is contained in the curse. And Jesus has set me free, not under the curse, not under the curse, 
Jesus has set me free. For sickness I've health, for poverty wealth, since Jesus has ransomed me. Praise God. We've been redeemed from the curse of poverty. We've been released into the blessing of prosperity through the atonement. Let me say it like this. According to Deuteronomy 28, poverty is part of the curse of the law. According to Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Therefore, he's redeemed me from poverty. He bore it for me. Therefore, I walk free from it. Hallelujah. It's got no hold on me. I'm redeemed. I'm delivered. The blessing of prosperity is upon me because I believe. Well, let's move on now to 2 Corinthians 8 9, which fits with this very well. And this gives the clearest possible statement that prosperity is in the atonement. It says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. This is a great exchange for us, the exchange of rags for riches. On the cross, you see, Jesus took our poverty that we might receive riches. Now, some interpret this as applying to spiritual poverty, spiritual riches. But the context of the chapter is clear. It's talking about money, material poverty, material riches. Paul is encouraging them, you see, to give generously to an offering to the saints in Jerusalem. And so this verse describes the work of the cross. It's Jesus in his life wasn't poor. He lived as a blessed man under the Abrahamic covenant. He only became poor when he took our sin and our curse on the cross. He became poor for our sakes, just like he became sin for our sake, so that we would be redeemed from the curse of poverty and that we would receive the blessing of prosperity. You see, Jesus was only poor in his death when he took the curse. He walked in prosperity. Prosperity is the blessing of God on you that meets all your needs and all the needs of those around you. You know, it's having what you need to do God's will. Jesus was blessed and he overflowed. He fed 5,000 people. He supplied wine for a week-long wedding. He was blessed. He prospered. He only became poor for us on the cross. And so the work on the cross includes deliverance from poverty and provision of prosperity. Let me read it again. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know this? That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor on the cross. That through his poverty you might become rich. God wants to make you rich with his blessings. Praise God. Now the sixth proof is the year of Jubilee, the year of Jumper Blast. Every 49 years, Israel was to have a special year of Jubilee, a year of grace, the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of the Lord's favor. And this is one of the most important pictures in the Bible of Christ and his atonement and his gospel. This was a picture of what Jesus would accomplish through the atonement. It's in Leviticus 25. It says you'll count seven sevens of years, seven times seven years, uh, 49 years. And then you'll cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to, to sound on the 10th day of the seventh month on the Day of Atonement. That's very important. You will make the trumpet sound throughout your land. And then it says you'll consecrate this Jubilee year, this 50th year. Proclaim liberty 
throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It will be a jubilee for you, and each of you will return to his possession and return to his family. And in this year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his possession. And jubilee meant good news to the poor, to the financially poor and dispossessed. You see, in the year of jubilee, all debts were cancelled. And all the houses and possessions and lands that you've lost, for whatever reason, would be restored to you. And so the jubilee year started by the blowing of the trumpet throughout the land. And if you were a slave, you were released from slavery. Um, if you were in debt, you were released from your debts. And you could return to your lost estates and your lost possessions, and you could rebuild your life. And so it was good news to the poor. It, the Jubilee was all about financial blessing, financial restoration, financial prosperity. And it was announced by the Jubilee trumpet. And the important thing is that the Jubilee trumpet was blown on the Day of Atonement. Jubilee could not start until the trumpet was blown. And that could not be blown until the Day of Atonement, when the great atoning sacrifices were made. And accomplished. And this teaches us that financial deliverance, financial freedom, financial restoration only flows when the atonement has been made, when the sacrifice had been made from the cross. You see, it's only on the day of atonement that the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies with the blood of the great sin offering. And then when he came out again from the Holy of Holies alive, it meant that God had accepted the sacrifice. And the good news was announced and trumpeted throughout the land. And so in the same way, you know, they would declare the sacrifice has been accepted. Sins are forgiven. And on the year of Jubilee, more than that, it was that you could reclaim your lost possessions. Your debts are cancelled. Praise God. On the basis of the atonement. And Jesus fulfilled that, you see. Because Jesus, our great high priest, he took his blood into the heavenly holy of holies. And then when he appeared again as alive from the dead, it meant that God had accepted his sacrifice. That God was satisfied by his blood. And then Jesus appeared alive and he commanded us to go blow the gospel trumpet throughout all the earth. To preach the good news throughout all the land. That atonement has been accomplished. That Christ has died and risen again. And that it is now jubilee time. It is now the acceptable year of the Lord. And now you can come and receive the forgiveness of your sins. The cancellation of your debts. You can come and rebuild your life. Praise God. That it is the acceptable year of the Lord. As Corinthians says, as we preach the gospel, we say, Behold, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. It's jubilee time now. Atonement is made. And now these blessings are freely available to you through the atonement. Isaiah 61 predicted that when Messiah came, he would fulfill jubilee. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. These are the words of the Messiah. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That's jubilee. Messiah will bring jubilee into being. He will fulfill jubilee. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. The opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's jubilee year. 
to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they will rebuild the old ruins and they'll raise up the former generations, desolations, and they will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. And so the blessings of Jubilee were primarily financial and they were obtained by the atonement. And of course they symbolized spiritual blessings as well. Jubilee meant deliverance from poverty and the restoration of lost possessions. Everything you see that Adam has lost, if we hear the Jubilee trumpet of God, we can go and reclaim our lost possessions. The Messianic Jubilee prophesied by Messiah confirms this. It is good news to the poor. Liberty from the captivity of poverty and the, an empowerment to prosper and rebuild your life. Praise God. Now Jesus, when he came, he claimed to be the Messiah. He came, wherever he went, he preached from this chapter. And he claimed that he was fulfilling this prophecy of Isaiah, of the Jubilee. The God preaching of the gospel, you see, corresponds to the blowing of the Jubilee trumpet. In Luke 4.18, he stood up and read, The Spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel, the good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty the oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, this is happening now. I'm blowing the Jubilee trumpet to you now. I'm preaching good news now. Whatever your area you're poor in, wherever you're needy, I have good news for you. And that includes financial. This included physical poverty, sickness, and spiritual poverty. The good news is you don't have to be poor anymore. He came to release them from the curse of poverty and bring them back onto the blessing. See, the Jubilee proclamation is the price has been paid, the sacrifice has been made. It's been accepted. You've been forgiven of your sins and your debts. You can now go free and reclaim your lost possessions. Praise God, your lost inheritance. This is the year of the Lord's favor. You are delivered from your oppression, from your poverty, from your captivity. It's been paid for by the atonement which has been made. And that's the gospel we preach too. Jesus has paid the price in full for your forgiveness, for your every blessing. You can now go free from your bondage, from your sins. And you can reclaim your lost inheritance. Now I say that if financial deliverance and blessing and freedom was provided in the type on the basis of the atonement, how much more must it be available in the fulfillment of Jubilee? through the atonement of Christ. If the old covenant jubilee was good news to the poor, in financial terms, and that is a picture, a type of the new covenant, then how much more is it in Christ? Yes, the gospel is good news for the poor and the needy. Not just spiritually, but also physically. God wants to meet your needs. And his blessing is purchased by blood will start to lift you above debt, above poverty, above despair, to a place where you're blessed and you can be a channel of blessing to others. That's what God wants, to prosper you. He proved it by making full provision for you in the atonement of Christ and then by proclaiming it 
through the Jubilee trumpet. It is the acceptable year of the Lord. It's the year of Jubilee. Now you can start believing that and go out free and reclaim your lost inheritance. And finally, I come to the last point about the one who will lead us into all the blessings of God. You see, Jesus is the good shepherd who leads us into all the blessing of God. And we know that the good shepherd is described in Psalm 23, which says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. I shall not want because he provides for all my needs. You prepare a table of blessing for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You see, the good shepherd leads his sheep into every blessing, including material prosperity, so that they say, I shall not want. But Psalm 23 comes after Psalm 22, which shows the good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep. You see, Psalm 22 ends with the resurrection and the announcement that he's done it, it's paid for. And then Psalm 23 comes in and as a prophecy of the risen Lord Jesus, the good shepherd leading his sheep into all the blessings of the new covenant, which include prosperity, you see. And in John 10, Jesus confirmed that he was the good shepherd of Psalm 23. He says, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, he says. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. That's Psalm 22, you see. I'm the good shepherd of Psalm 23, to, who comes to give them abundant life. Jesus is the shepherd of 20, Psalm 23, and he leads us into all the blessings of the new covenant that purchased by his death. So the blessings of Psalm 23, which include material provision and all that we need, are ours in the new covenant. They were purchased for us by the blood of Jesus, our good shepherd. That's why it says, my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, by his atonement. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Believe that prosperity is in the atonement. He loves you so much. He has made provision for all your needs, not just spiritual needs, but physical also.